Hello and welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. This is episode 35 and I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host. It's great to be back after a little bit of a break, but the summer's over and it's time to get back to work. And what better way to get back to work than a discussion of Android 11? And I'm super excited to have my favorite Android experts here to talk with me. First up is Florence Ion, a freelance technology journalist and co-host of Material right here on Relay FM, as well as All About Android on Twit. Welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be back. I was really excited when you asked me to come back. Um, also, just, you know, I'm also just really happy to spend any virtual time with anybody right now. So it's been, you know, it's nice that you're spending it with me. So thank you. <laughs> well, it's great. It's great to have you here. And I, I know you're you're spending a lot of your time with a tiny person. And so we'll try to make semi-adult conversation. And, you know. It's, uh, yeah, I need it. Please just give it to me. <laughs> And uh, my other guest is J.J. Meadow, the proprietor of Blind Bargains and A.T. Guy's co-host of Blind Bargains podcast and my other favorite Android expert. Hi there. Hey, you know, I'm so glad to be back here and also back with uh, Flo as well. Uh, you know, so often we get put in this blindness uh, bubble. Uh, see what I did there. Um, and then actually, uh, you know, very excited just to talk to other mainstream people and <laughs> talk about Android stuff. Welcome, welcome outside the bubble. Happy to have you. Yes. <laughs> so I've been wanting to talk about Android 11 for a while, and it is just out on the streets as of last week. So mm-hmm, pretty good timing, mm-hmm. eh? And I know it's on the Google phones, but I don't know what its status is on other Android phones. Can you talk about that? Okay, so I am pretty sure that this is coming. It's rolling out right now to Pixel phones everywhere. I think everything up to the second gen Pixel is getting this update um, rolled out whenever it gets rolled out. Of course, it depends on if you have an unlocked Pixel. It depends if you have a Pixel through your carrier, right? I mean, that kind of those are different uh, variables. There will also be an update coming to OnePlus phones. Now, OnePlus has its own version called Oxygen OS that's on top of Android 11, but they have a pretty good track record of getting the software updates to their phones a little faster than some of the more like major mainstream phone makers that rhyme with Samsung. <laughs> so, <laughs> good rhyme in there. Um, Gee, I yeah. wonder who that would be. <laughs> Also on the list, um, I don't know if this really affects those of us in the U.S., but Xiaomi, Oppo, and Realme, those are very big uh, phone brands overseas, and they're also going to be getting the update rolling out, too. So it's just kind of a matter of time of waiting for it to ping you, but you can force the update. There are how-tos out there. Um, Lifehacker just posted one actually today. We're recording this on September 9th. So Lifehacker actually put out an article how to install Android 11 despite the whole rollout process that goes through. So if you really want it, you could force it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the first year that a version of the Pixel phones got cut off of updates, which was announced mm-hmm. several months back. So Pixel 1, you're out of luck, but that was a 2016 phone. So, yep. you know, we were getting more than three years of updates now, which I think at this point is very respectable, especially considering the past. So everything back to 2017 is getting it, which is encouraging. I wanted to add just because there was like all this hubbub about, oh, Samsung committed to three years of updates. And I think the important thing to, you know, pay mind to as an Android user is updates are relative. Like what those updates are matter. And for the most part, I would say, 
Pixel phones, OnePlus phones, they're kind of the first that get, you know, the latest versions uh, at the time when they're kind of released. Samsung takes a little bit longer. So, yeah. So the big question then, do either of you have Android 11, either the shipping or a beta on your phones? I have the beta on the Pixel 3, but I haven't been using it because I am fully ensconced in kind of the world of OnePlus right now. I just, for my own, you know, research, uh, testing sort of purposes, and also because I wanted to use a different platform for a while. I've been on the Pixel for so long, so, but I did have some experience. How about you, JJ? Did you try it out at all? Yep. I jumped on the public beta at the point when it was easy to install. I didn't want to do all that sideloading business and all of that. Mm -hmm, And one of the mm -hmm. big things that I always have to check is is it going to entirely break talk back and accessibility mm-hmm. like is it at least mm-hmm. usable enough and i've heard from some other people that it was going to be so i installed it in may and then just a couple hours ago pulled in the the final 11 which is almost perfect but obviously still has a few lingering issues but um, i am now on the regular android 11 also on my pixel 3 xl Are there any reasons that somebody who doesn't have a Pixel would want to wait? I mean, are there any incompatibilities or bugs? So nothing, I would say, on the magnitude of the infamous iOS 13 updates or big things in the past. There's no deal breakers um, in my mind. There's, you know, obviously little things here and there, but quite a few of the apps have done a good job of taking advantage of the Android 11 features. And there's nothing at this point that I would call a major annoyance. There might be some little things to adjust to, but at this point, I think you're fine grabbing the updates if it's available for you. I agree. I was going to add earlier that uh, the beta is there to kind of help work out the kinks. I mean, Google really, look, it's no surprise that Google loves to use its users as its testing ground. Um, and you sign up for that, of course. It's it's optional. You know, you're not forced into it. Uh, and I think it does, the company does a really good job of sort of listening to that feedback, helping in those specific situations. Um, so I trust it. <laughs> That sounds uh, pretty confident. <laughs> Go right ahead. No, it won't. Yeah, you know, you'll live. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, they've been working on it for long enough. Um, and plus a lot of the features, which I know we're kind of we're kind of going to get into like a list of it. But a lot of the features are very. Uh, I don't want to say insignificant because they are significant in a, you know, usability standpoint. Uh, but some of them are just kind of like, oh, that's nice to have. You know, well, yeah, that was going to be my will... next question. I didn't get the Go sense ahead. that this was a an earth shaking release. And granted, I'm not steeped in this world as much as you guys are. But just from a big picture point of view, what what should we know about Android 11 and how it changed what we know of Android? There isn't any like one marquee feature, I think, that makes Android 11 stand out. So I think that's why it's kind of hard to to really bite into it. I think uh any, if anything that we've been sort of talking about in like our little, you know, Android chat rooms is, uh, the conversations piece. So, um, this is a feature that basically bundles in messages from like a similar person or a similar group of people. You have a little customization over it. And a lot of folks feel like this is the answer to the very, um, discombobulated messaging strategy that we have on Android. And so this is just to kind of help like rein it all in. But besides that, I mean, the other little features are like built in screen recording, which is like really nice to have, but there's like a hundred apps out there that do it. And I've already chosen the app that I like. So I'm probably not going to even use the Android 11 version. 
I think what about the word, you, JJ? yeah, I think the word for 11 is tweaks. There's lots of mm-hmm. little things that just kind of make your experience a lot better. Of course, the annual disclaimer that we're all used to talking about is a lot of the updates from Android don't come through the OS updates. They come through apps. So we'll see them later and we'll talk about that with uh, TalkBack a little later on as well. I do agree from an accessibility standpoint, the new uh, messages and notifications is great for someone like me because before you have all your notifications, you have to scroll through them, scroll through them, and then maybe you'll find the new message from WhatsApp or Facebook where mm-hmm. now all of your messages from messaging apps get surfaced to the top and they are the first notifications that you will run into, which are usually the ones that you want to see the messaging mm-hmm. app notification. So that to me mm-hmm. is a big change. Yeah, I agree. And then there's a lot of like little feet, more little features. Um, I'm thinking very specifically about the app suggestions, the little dock that it's basically a dynamic dock that exists on the front page of the pixel. And I, this is exclusive to pixel phones as far as I know. Yep. And basically it suggests to you, Hey, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You're probably using one of these five apps. So we're going to surface them for you. I used it for a while. It's cool, but it can also be very annoying when there's like that one app that you need and you're rushing to do something. And then you have to go (laughs) searching for it in the drawer, you know, when usually you'd be on the front. And there's a little bit of pushback here from an accessibility standpoint. That's not a feature I'm going to use Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you can look at the screen and you can see, oh yeah, there's the app I want. It's right there in front of me where I have to even see, all right, is this app that I'm looking for happen to be in my most recent? If it's not, then I have to do my regular searching anyway. So is it worth me checking to see if Google has the correct for uh, app for me or is it worth me scrolling through so it's kind of one of those features that you know I don't want changing apps I would rather have a predictable set of five which of course I can still do um, on the home screen on the app drawer exactly you can turn it off right you don't have to use it the app suggestions yeah yeah you can yeah it's part of the pixel launcher so I think that's why it's only exclusive to those lines of phone um another way to show off the ai magic right that we know what you want <laughs> anytime yeah. and if it day. works well it works so you know and maybe i you know should give it a chance and see if it works better um it's already been on the app the all apps list for a while now they're bringing it on the home screen as well but i have five apps on the bottom of my home screen that i already know i want there Hmm. yeah i agree so let me ask you this. How do you think the pandemic this year has affected the rollout of Android 11, either in terms of when you learned about things or maybe what features were included? Was was it a factor? Maybe. I am. I know that's not like a great answer, but <laughs> it's something that I've been thinking about this year just in terms of because we had like recently we had that huge Samsung announcement for like the Note and so all these expensive phones like, oh, my God, even though this is like a very perilous time right now for a lot of people. And um, I know that a lot of these software updates get, you know, the the train is kind of moving way ahead of time so that eventually it comes to, you know, the station to to our phones at this particular time. Typically what happens is around Google IO time, which is in the spring, you know, around the month of May is when we will really learn like the details of what's to come with the next version of Android. That's typically when the beta will drop. You know, everybody is at the developers conference going, oh, did you try this out on the beta? And it's like this fun thing. Um, This year we didn't have that, which was kind of a bummer. So everybody kind of went into this beta on their own, basically without, you know, their group of pals to kind of talk to with. But also it just felt like we kept having all of these um, 
surprise updates like hey this week we decided that we're going to launch all this stuff on the new pixel hey this week we decided we're going to make this app you know we're just going to put it in the play store and anybody can use it which is great and i appreciate that but i'm really curious to see how this messaging is going to continue into the next year because the people that have been working on the software have been in this pandemic and now they've launched this product and so it's like I know they're already turning the wheels on Android 12. So what is that going to look like next year? I I feel like that will be the real fruits of what's happening now. Yeah, when you look at the timeline, it probably does affect hardware more than software. And it kind of felt like a beta scavenger hunt to an extent because we didn't mm-hmm. have the big developer event to kind of guide us. Now, that being 100. said, half the stuff that's announced during the keynote is a feature that we end up seeing six months later anyway. So there's always been a bit of guessing to, you know, we're still waiting for some Google Home features that were announced a year ago. So, you know, I'm not sure if the pandemic affects that or if that's just Google's timeline. And then just to throw things off a little more, some of the things that were announced for Android 11, oh, just kidding, we're going to put them in 10 now because we like them and they're working just fine. So there's the the version numbers, you know, it's already been less important on Android and now they're kind of just making it even less and less. And like, yeah, you know what? When it's ready, we're going to push it out and we're just going to kind of move on. So they're, and they're trying to always stay in the news cycle with new features, but the average user... You know, the outside no of the idea. 5%. Right. <laughs> First, they, the takeaway are snack food names, and then they start putting features in earlier versions. I yeah. mean, no snack food names. Now, no snacks. Well, that was COVID's fault. And then, right. you know, no snacks. Very sad. Yep. Well, let's talk about some of those features. We, we mentioned most of them that were on my short list, but conversations, it sounds like, is worth digging into a little further. So um, let me understand this correctly because I haven't really looked at it much. But are we talking about the ability to sort of integrate multiple uh, messaging apps into your experience or, so, so it doesn't matter what platform you're yes. using or, or am I missing that? How does that work? Well, it doesn't matter necessarily what app you're using if the person is marked as a priority. So, for instance, the way I set it up, my best friend in the entire world, godmother of my child, very, you know, she gets a big place on my contact list. She's in my favorites. And so when I set up Android 11, when I went uh, the beta, I went into the settings for her uh, specifically in the converse. There's a conversations setting in the settings panel. And in there you can set priority folks and you can set their priority in the notification shade as the messages come in. So if random person named Sandy, who it turns out I really like means a lot to me, or I really need to get their, you know, messages through everybody else, I'll mark them as a priority and they will always come up on top, on top of app notifications, um, on top of everything else in the notification shade. So I always see when they message me first, regardless of what app it is, whether it's WhatsApp or messages or, or what have yeah. you. And then to tag on to that, the, the part I was talking about a little earlier, the, the other change there is that no matter what messaging app you use, Shelly, so if you have WhatsApp supports at Facebook, uh, even something like Slack, all of those messages in the notification order are going to show above, if you want it this way, are going to show above any other app notifications. Of course, you can configure everything, but out of the box, if you don't touch anything, that's what's going to happen now if an app supports it in 11. The accessibility piece for you then is that you don't have to know what app it's in. You just go to the notification and tap it and end up where you need to be. Well, yeah. And but you're grabbing. I think I I just want to point out specifically you're grabbing the notifications from that specific person. So if you get, you know, 
Tufa message in the middle of all that. It will come bundled in with the messages app, so to speak. So, yes. I mean, that's, it sounds, I mean, it, I, I talk about chasing people around the internet using different platforms to find the same person, which is always sort of a hilarious thing. Like, are they on Slack? Are they on Twitter today? Where, where am I going to find them? So that is. <laughs> She's talking about That's me. That's a really good point. <laughs> no, I'm the same. I'm the same. I'm like, I'll get a DM from somebody. I won't respond to it for seven days and then I'll get a, did you get my DM? No, I'm sorry. I haven't been on she Twitter. She pinged me actually. on Slack for a different podcast to tell me to come over here on Skype for this podcast. It's true. You know? <laughs> Behind the scenes here, parallel. That's yes. what we do. I chase people around the, you guys, you are, you're not the only ones. Believe me. <laughs> I have five or six Slacks open at any given time <laughs> which is not i'm not bragging i'm not happy about that <laughs> it's true it's hard on memory yeah. so you, you talk about screen recording a little bit and flo you say not so much a fan you have an app you like is there anything that the new built-in screen recording does for you other than the fact that it's just built in no, it's just built in. It's readily available in the quick settings, so you can enable it if you go in and edit the quick settings on Android 11, but it records through the microphone the way that other screen recording apps would. So the vol, you know, the, the sound that you record isn't it's not like recording something internally, you know, on a on a desktop computer. I'm trying to, to I'm trying to figure out cuz I'm using a AZ screen recorder and I'm trying to figure out if it has commandeered the screen recording uh, quick summit settings tile or if I'm doing something differently or for some reason the feature isn't enabled on my pixel yet. So for me, it lived along the screen recording app that I had lived alongside the Android one. So at one point during the beta, I had two quick settings tiles in there. Ah, yeah. Well, maybe I do they call it screen recording the other one or maybe for some reason I, I need to go enable it. I mean, it depends else. on the developer, yeah. but considering screen recorder is a popular SEO term in the Play Store, yeah. it was kind of hard <laughs> to differentiate between the two. <laughs> I thought I enabled the built in one um, and then I realized, oh, that's just AZ screen recorder. I, and I did the same title. thing. <laughs> that's like in the in the app store. It's probably the same in the Play Store, but there are a hundred apps that are basically some version of magnify or magnifier and you can't tell yeah. them apart unless you look at who the developer is. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Apple added it as a built-in feature, so go figure. Not confusing at all. So we talked about app suggestions. I don't know if there's anything more to say about that other than you can use it or not use it. That's something iOS has had for a while. I turned it off really quickly because I don't. it didn't give me any benefit I didn't already have. It wasn't finding apps for me that I wouldn't have had ready to my fingertips. The app that I am actually going to use every day at three o'clock, it's probably on my dock somewhere, probably in my, you know, my drawer at the bottom of the screen in either case. Yeah. One of the things that I've always liked as far as predictability of Android apps is I just a lot of times default to the al alphabetical app listing. And even if I have to page through four or five pages, I don't have to figure out which home screen I put something on. And I, you know, I know where it is in the alphabet and I can find it, assuming the developer actually named their app icon the way they were supposed to, which is not always a great assumption, but 90% of the time it's where I would expect it to be. I will say on the OnePlus launcher, I like that I can just type in, you know, the letter of the app group that I need and go that way. Um, but there have been a couple of instances where I found like Amazon, for instance, doesn't like to call their prime video app, Amazon prime video. So it's in the P's instead of the A's. <laughs> so it's like, mm -hmm. Ugh, I, I think I have three authenticator apps now that are called authenticator. I'm oh like, God. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> World operating system problems, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. So what about power button menus? That sounds like that could be an interesting feature, but tell, tell me about it first and whether it's interesting at all to you. It's 
it's very much just for ease of use. Um, when you're out, you long press the power button. And instead of, would you like to shut down? It takes you to this nice little um, launcher screen or yeah. Yeah. It's a nice little screen. Yeah. And it has there your Google pay, the, you know, most used card that you have your default card. So you can just tap on it. You know, I used it when I was getting gas and it was really, you know, nice and easy. Um, it has smart home controls, so you can customize those in the Google home app, what appears in there. And I think the other one was a uh, quick access emergency buttons. So, you know, God forbid you need emergency. You would just uh, hold down the power button and hit the E911 button and it would call emergency services. So just something when I remember about the concept of this is Google wanted people to think about it as the keys wallet phone metaphor. So this is like all the keys that you need for, you know, getting to smartphone. Your wallet is there. And then, you know, all the quick phone stuff that you need. So. I thought that was clever. Theoretically, apps can add uh, loyalty cards and things like that. It would be a while to see until uh, an app decides to do something like that. The one cool thing I like about Google Pay in this situation, so I have personal credit card and I have a business credit card. And there has been times where I know I have, right now I have my personal as my default, but I'm at a place where I need to make a business purchase. And I'm like, eh, I'll just use my card because I didn't want to get out the Google Wallet app and switch to my default card and do all this stuff. But now I can go to the power menu and select the other card right away and flip to that and pay with the correct card. So that is actually a really interesting feature that I didn't think I needed. Very fast. So a couple of other features I wrote down, which sound similarly kind of deep in the weeds, uh, permissions, a media player widget, and Android Auto, or any of those interesting? I'm sure Android Auto is, you're all about it, JJ, Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I actually love, I use Android Auto on the phone because I don't have, a, you know, one of those dashes. Um, I just prop the phone up on my, you know, PopSocket makes little uh, inserts for your AC vents. <laughs> so oh. you could just put the PopSocket in there and drive off. Um, it's nice and easy. So that's cool. The Kind of the big thing about Android Auto is that, they're introducing some new features so it could be wireless, but really that only affects people who have the whole system in their car. So it's a, I guess it's a nice thought for down the road in terms of phone design. As for permissions, the thing there is, you know, Google's been constantly allowing us users more and more access over each app permissions um, and, and what the OS can access natively. And in this situation, what it will do is it will remind you, hey, just so you know, this app that you haven't used in maybe six months, it still has location access. Do you want to allow it to still have location access? And then you can decide, oh, yeah, I want that. I never know I'm going to need that app. Or you can go, oh, no, 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 shut it down, shut it down. Um, so it's just kind of a little helper to help you, you know, maintain what you have installed on your phone. So part of that theoretically is supposed to be automatic, though, right? As far as the background location access, Google is going to disable some of the background notifications at some indeterminate amount of time. True, true, true. Yes. Thank you for reminding me about that. <laughs> the problem with this feature is They didn't say how long, that, though. <laughs> exactly. And I, I have tried to act. Uh, asking how long we have to wait until that whole process takes over. And it's hard to get an answer. And because the beta hasn't been out for that long, theoretically, you know, and people are just getting this, it's, I feel like this is a feature we'll have to like come back to. 
<laughs> I feel like it's one of those features that just ends up being, okay, that's nice. Kind of like how every version says, we've optimized battery use to give you 12% more. Like, okay, I'm not going to really notice that, but that sounds cool that you put it yeah, in every single version. Yeah, because my still dead by 2 p.m., so right. you're gonna, it's not <laughs> helping. It's just me. <laughs> There's a couple other smaller features. You know, it's always the little things that kind of jump out at me. I haven't traveled since the beta, but I am very excited for the uh, context-aware Bluetooth airplane mode update. Oh, yeah. Finally, finally, oh, finally. Cool. You turn on airplane mode before, and there goes your Bluetooth headset. And then my phone starts jabbing on the plane. I'm like, okay, so they're finally fixing that. So now Bluetooth will stay on if you I have a headset. I am that person on the plane playing <laughs> my loud, raunchy music. <laughs> That is cool. And the notification history has some potential. If you miss a notification, you can kind of go back now and you can browse through them. There isn't a lot you can do with them yet. I don't think they're even actionable, Um, but you can go back and look through the notification that you might have swept away your day or or three ago. So that has some potential. I'm not sure how much I'll use it yet. You know, I need to remember that the feature actually exists and then go back into it. But it seems like it has some potential for me. I just want to add that, by the way, the media player embedded in the notifications is great. I love it. It adds a nice visual aesthetic to the overall Android operating system, uh, and it makes it easier to deal with whatever it is that you have playing in the background or playing through casting. So um, I appreciate those little it's the little things, right? You know, the, the yeah. seamless updates. And I know Google is really pushing more device manufacturers in the direction uh, towards seamless updates. That really helps out. You know, I, I don't always like making the comparisons, but there's been 18 iOS 13 updates. Every single one of them pops up to you front and center. You have to download it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I know you can do automatic updates, but it just seems like the, the Android update infrastructure has been a lot more seamless. And every so often you get a thing. Oh, yeah, by the way, we got a new update for you. Just restart and we'll we'll set it up for you. And And I used to be someone that was entirely anti-automatic updates, especially for accessibility reasons. But the system that mm, Android mm. seems to be using for updates lately, it's really been impressive for me. Do they update more often than iOS, do you think? Or do you have a way, do you have a sense Mm. of that? Probably because of individual app updates, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) You stay out of the iOS world. That's fine. I'm just... (laughs) It's my only frame of reference. What can I tell you? I mean, just because, you know, Chrome is getting an update every week and yeah, there's things like that. Yeah. Well, let's talk (laughs) some about accessibility. I don't think there are any big new features. I remember last year when we talked, Google, obviously they had a big splashy Google I.O. event and they talked a lot about accessibility, both in terms of specific features and features that had implications for accessibility. I'm guessing that wasn't really the case this year. So playing with betas and alphas and things, I had to do do a little bit of checking to see what's actually out now. Um, But it did come to light in the developer notes and features in the spring that for TalkBack and for other accessibility services, Android has created a framework now for multi-finger gestures. So what that essentially means for accessibility, uh, for voiceover on iOS, you you can double tap with one finger, you can double tap with two fingers, or you can swipe up or swipe down with one or two or three or even four fingers. Where on Android, everything was limited to one finger in the past, which created these infamous, in the accessibility world, right angle gestures that most people hate. So drawing down and then to the right, or right and then, to, and then up. So 
that is not in Android at 11 as it is now, but the framework is there and there should be an update of TalkBack at some point, which will kind of change everything. It's going to be very interesting because there's a whole different conversation of some people want um, Google and Android to do it, do it all like the iPhone. Let's just copy their list of gestures. And some other people are saying, well, you know what? We don't need to do everything Apple's doing. Let's come up with our own way. So I think it's going to end up somewhere in the middle of that, but it's kind of like learning an entirely new keyboard layout for some people. Cause a lot of the things that you're used to are going to be moved into different locations for accessibility. Um, there will be ways to go back to yeah. the old ones, but, um, that's going to be a big change. Wow. Yeah. I, that is really good. Thank you for bringing that up, JJ. I actually never considered that. Um, and I, you know, that just, speaks to my inexperience with some of these things. I will say that I've noticed what Google did this year was kind of break out some of those big accessibility pushes that they wanted to make and have them be their own thing. So I think the biggest thing that comes as kind of a part of Android 11, it it came along with the whole news maelstrom, but as far as I know, it's a separate thing was voice access, which was in beta for a while. You can grab it in the Play Store. It's free. It's pretty customizable. It lets you issue basically kind of the commands that you would use with the assistant, for instance, and then some. So it lets you type and edit text, navigate between apps and screens, scroll up and down on web pages and documents all through your voice. Also lets you tap and select content, magnify your screen, expand and collapse items, and long press, as well as switch some of the settings on and off, like airplane mode and and such. Uh, And it uses a grid as in the traditional method, but instead of assigning numbers to each grid, you can basically call out the element uh, that you need to have access. So voice access, it will generate the labels and all the access points. And then you just kind of guide, you guide it across where you would, you know, like it to go basically. Um, and I know there's a couple of demos that have been out there using this. And I think that I feel like that's kind of the biggest thing that they're not really talking about this year. Yeah, that should create another reason for uh, developers as far as making apps accessible. That's a whole other mm-hmm. set of users. Anyone who uh, is not able to interact with phones in other ways, um, you know, if you don't have labeled icons, then it's going to be hard for voice correct, access to correct. identify those. So this isn't the first time that a talkback release or an accessibility feature release has not connected intimately with the Android update. In other words, it's kind of on a different schedule. Is that right, JJ? I don't think it you know, really thinking back, I don't think it hardly ever happens that way. It's not talkback is a thing that usually gets updates after the regular version of Android. So you kind of have a bit of a pattern. New version of Android. Sorry. (laughs) Jump in there. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) November next March, honestly. Well, who knows? I don't think it's going to be that long because there's already um, public betas floating around for talkback nine. Um, But one of the, big things to realize with Android is you have to uh, create the infrastructure. So the deep down code that allows for the multi-finger gestures is now in Android 11. So that's there. And then you build the apps on top of it. So they're not going to let an app like TalkBack hold back the release of Android 11. It's not a bad thing. I'd rather them get it right in this case. It's not like we don't have any accessibility now. You know, it certainly works with the current system. Um, but yes, there will be some delay uh, with that. And then some things will come out ahead of time. So voice access, I believe, came out a little ahead of 11, um, as well as the new Braille keyboard that came out in the spring. We'll talk about the Braille keyboard. So the Braille keyboard 
is a way for people to input Braille, type in Braille using the touchscreen. It's a feature that iOS has had for a while called Braille Screen Input, and now it's come uh, to Android as well. So it essentially allows you to type in Braille without having to buy an external Braille device. So for people that are used to typing in Braille um, and don't have a lot of luck or can't be as fast using the on-screen QWERTY keyboard, it's another possible input strategy for them. That was a big news thing in the spring, as if it was the first time that it ever existed. Maybe that's Google's PR, but you know, obviously iOS people knew that it had been on iOS for a long time. But for some reason, that seemed to capture a lot of attention, so much so that when I went back and read the stories, I was looking for the feature that I was missing. It's like, what? What? I get that it hasn't been an Android before, <laughs> but what's new other than that? <laughs> Have you used it? It's a sex. It's a sexy headline. Yep. You know, Android supports mm-hmm. Braille, allows the blind to type. Especially okay, since Brailleback hasn't been. The f- yeah, but but have you used well, yeah, Have that's... you used the Braille keyboard? I've used it a bit. Um, I more prefer to do either hardware typing or my favorite Android feature, messages for web, where I can just mm. use my Windows computer to do all of my texting, and that's actually where I do a lot of my uh, texting at this point. I do that on the Mac. That's a good. That's a good yes. life hack. Use Windows, which has all that infrastructure that Google is still working on implementing into Android. One of the messages for web thing is, yeah, that's a that's a Google Android feature. So you don't need, you could even use you know whatever operating system you want. So I'm not even talking about the your phone thing. I'm talking about just mm. the messages.android.com/slash/web. So are there any other features we need to cover that I didn't put down in my hastily scribbled show notes? Very quickly, I just want to bring attention to Action Blocks. This was announced as an accessibility app that you can download from the Play Store. And what it basically allows you to do is place a widget block on the Android home screen. And you can use the built-in accessibility features to launch the feature that the block does. So you essentially program the block. It can be uh, something as menial as tur- you know turning off airplane mode on your phone, or it could be something a little more complicated like turning on the lights in a specific room that you have set up through the Google Home app. That's something that's uh, kind of um, suggested to anybody to use, really, and it just has the added benefit of also working really well with the built-in accessibility feature. So I think it's important to, to note, too, that Google's accessibility work extends sometimes beyond the built in apps. One of the big things that Google's worked on in the past year plus is Google Lookout, which got an yeah, update over right. the past month or two as well, which now identifies uh, food labels, among other things. And it works really well. It doesn't use barcode. It just uses images of common food items. And if you are moving your camera and it turns on the flashlight, it will try to identify them and give you relatively quickly within a couple seconds what it thinks you're looking at. I've used it quite a bit and it's now my preferred kitchen food identification app tool. Does that work on uh, Google Home with a camera or is that just a phone app? Or No, Alexa does yeah. that uh, with the Echo Show 8 and above. Uh, they have not put it on the, uh, the Home Hub. Well... As an iOS person, but I guess, I don't know, just as a completist, I have to ask this. And it it feels like an odd question because Android 11 was such a sort of in the weeds kind of update. But I, I just wonder how each of you are feeling about Android compared to iOS and JJ, especially in terms of accessibility. 
They're getting closer for whatever reason. It does seem like, I know we've always had this, but Android's copied more iOS features and the other way around as well. And now with accessibility and the multi-finger gestures, TalkBack is going to work a lot more similar to how voiceover is with hopefully some differences and improvements. But, uh, you know, I mean, obviously the, the longstanding reasons that I pick Android haven't changed as far as, you know, access to alternate apps and access to files on a computer, all the, all the usual things that have been around since 2011 or so. Um, but you know, the, the, some of the basic stuff is certainly a lot more similar for better or worse, I guess. I do apologize. I'm not super initiated with iOS's accessibility features, but I was thinking, you know, one thing that Google and Apple have done even though just over the last couple of months, I'm thinking about specifically, okay, the the uh, COVID tracing technology, right? That was something that Google and Apple were able to sort of see eye to eye on. We need this. It's a need. Let's add it to our respective operating systems. I would love to see something like that, a universal, like here's what operating mobile operating systems need uh, to be accessible, to be accessible to everybody, rather than have it kind of have the onus kind of be on the company as an individual and sort of waiting for them to duke it out for who can bring what feature first, if that makes sense. Well, and it, 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 you have to be a little careful with that. The idea in theory does have a lot of legs. And of course we do have mm-hmm. the, the web content, web content accessibility guidelines true, that true. Uh, work towards um, mobile apps now, as well as far as determining accessibility. I, am definitely on board with this is the minimum amount of features and level of accessibility needs to be there. I wouldn't want to go as far as saying you must use this command to perform this option. Right. Right. You know, so you definitely still want to allow for some freedom of thought, but with the understanding that I want to be able to pick the operating system I use based on the features, not based on which one happens to be more accessible. Given the number of apps that are on both platforms, I'd actually like to see the play store and the app store, do something in terms of providing accessibility rating or guidance, whether it be making the developers say this app is accessible to this feature of the operating system. Some people go so far as to say it should be a requirement, but at least some disclosure. And for the uh, the uh, Android developers that are listing, one app that you can get for free is called Accessibility Scanner. That's a Google app that will won't always find everything, but it will find some of the big glaring things that you might not have noticed if you're icons are not labeled or if your touch targets are not big enough it will locate those things and point them out to you and that's a free app that's available so at the end of each episode of parallel we have a one more thing question and this as the rest of my notes were was a hastily scribbled question i was trying to cause some trouble and let's see how it goes So Apple is going to have a hardware event next week, and I know you guys spend your lives in the Android world mostly, but let's say that somehow you're able to hack into Apple's virtual slide deck and you can change anything you like, whether it be a product, a feature, you can add something, you can change something. Uh, What is something that you would, uh, whether it's from your perspective as Android users or not, uh, what is something you uh, you would do to hack into Apple's presentation next week? JJ? Only one? Just one. (laughs) We'll do the rest when we do the wrap-up show next week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was thinking more towards the software thing, but I'm slipping into their slide deck because I missed it already. So, Apple, you know what? We realized that... We, we've hurt the Android users over the past few months <laughs> through some of our recent acquisitions, and we've decided to throw you a bone. So 
effective immediately, we are returning Dark Sky to the Android app store. <gasps> Hallelujah. Oh my gosh. There is nothing. <laughs> there are apps that comes close. I use Carrot Weather. It's just a fun little goofy, sarcastic app, but it doesn't give me the radar that Dark Sky did. And that's what I miss at this point. Ugh, I found an app, by the way, that has the radar, but it's like so the UI is so bloated <laughs> and it's like, here's also a hurricane that's happening four states away. And I'm like, oh, my God, this yeah. is terrible. There's no scarier <laughs> words than Apple has acquired or even Google has acquired. It's like, oh, no, what are they going to do to it? Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. I mean, don't be, yeah, 100%. Google has destroyed apps, too. So, I mean, it happens, but like, oh, well, if I were to go into that slide deck, um, you know, I would love for there to be just a very affordable iPad Pro with pencil support <laughs> because <laughs> my husband wants one for Christmas and, you know, God, they're expensive. <laughs> they cost a lot of money for what That's- he wants. So. <laughs> Since Google hasn't figured out tablets yet, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. A 100%. That's the other thing. He's yeah. like, is there like an Android equivalent I'm getting at? I'm like, no. There's Honestly, not. if you want a tablet, we've got to get you an iPad. Yeah, tablets and watches, <laughs> Apple wins that. So we need to hack into Google's slide deck and get them to come up with a Pixel tab well, or something tried. like that. Well, they tried. They tried, they tried the them. Pixel Slate, but True. then they put the Chrome OS on it and tried to bill it to us as a Chrome OS device. And it was like, come on, guys. Come yeah, on. Yeah, that and watches. <laughs> Let's figure the watch thing out. (laughs) Well, this turned out better than I would have expected. Thank you. This is good. Well, uh, Florence Ion and JJ Meadow, I want to thank you so much for being my Android guides. And tell us, please, where people can find you on the internet. JJ. Oh, yeah, the internet, that thing. No, I, <laughs> we're, we're virtual. We're virtual, you so that's out we're there only sometimes. on the internet at this point. So, I mean, it's, it's here. So, uh, our mm-hmm. podcast is the Blind Bargains Cast, or BBQ. So, that's over at blindbargains.com, um, or you can search for us on all of the podcast apps, the Apple and the Google podcast apps. We're on both, so we're an equal opportunity. We're, we're all over the place. Um, and we sell technology over at atguys.com. And, uh, yeah, Twitter at Blind Bargains as well. Excellent. And Flo, where are you at online? You can find me at florenceion.com at my website. I've got a I've got a blog there. I've got, you know, my resume, recent stuff I've posted. Uh, or you can find me on Twitter at oh that flow. Excellent. Thank you both so much for being here. This was a blast as always. Just a reminder that you can keep track of this show at Parallel Pods on Twitter or Relay.fm slash Parallel for show notes and transcripts and all that good stuff. Or you can find Parallel at any podcast app of your choice. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Don't know what it is yet, but we'll make one. Bye now.